Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Beyond Faith Anthology. That deadline has been extended to October 
30th of this year. So we're, um, I just posted the information on my Facebook, Tumblr, and Google+, Plus, which automatically sends it out to Twitter from the Tumblr. So if you all get a chance, take a look at that. But we're looking for people to submit abstracts, 500 words or less. And on the link, you'll see basically the essays that we're asking for. We want them to address some specific um, questions. So go and take a look at that. Um, we're really excited about this project. And Dr. Hutchinson would love to hear from you guys today. So just go out, take a look at that. And, again, it was extended to October 30th, so you have 17 days, or really 18 days if you count today. And wanted to send a shout-out to Doc in Atlanta, Compass 120 Apparel. For those of you that are seeking free thinking or free thought or atheist apparel, that's the place for you, compass120.com. So we've been working closely with Doc on some projects, and great guy, great guy. I want to make sure you guys know that he's out there, and, you know, he can help you out with some things there. And also put in a shout-out to Jermaine um, doing some web work for us. So, you know, Jermaine, wonderful guy. I'm going to post his information on my wall a little bit later so you all can contact him if you have any web or graphic needs there. So wanted to make sure that I... Um, acknowledge the people that I've been working closely with um, in the past year or so. So thank you to those people, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Also, you probably saw the announcement earlier this week, Monday, and Black Nonbelievers of Chicago has merged with Black Skeptics Group um, of Los Angeles, and we will now be known as Black Skeptics Chicago. I haven't updated everything yet, but this is now official. It was official October 1st, and, you know, you know, I would like to congratulate the members of Black Skeptic Chicago as well as Los Angeles, and I'm looking forward to a very, very bright future. You know, we're working on some projects, and it's going to be an absolutely phenomenal relationship here. And for those of you out there that are listening, I just say keep your eyes and ears open there's something special coming up the end of November, and we'll be giving you more information along the lines of that, but I can tell you a little bit about it. We're launching a series, and it's going to be a web video series, and the first launch is November 24th. Sunday, November 24th, more information is forthcoming, but this should be great as a collaboration of, you know, a few groups, and we're going to discuss some issues, and it's just going to be wonderful. So keep your eyes and ears open for that, and also mark your calendars off for October of next year. But more details for that are coming as well, but I'm trying to give you all some hints about it now going to be really exciting, very exciting. I'm excited about what's happening. So just kind of want to let you guys know, you know, more great things coming up, and we want you to be a part of it. And for those of you out there, you can go back and listen to our archives. We have well over a couple of hundred shows for you to choose from. This show has been on for two and a half years now, and We've talked about a variety of topics. Some of them overlap, 
but that's okay because some people may not have heard the first show. So it gives us a chance to kind of reiterate some things that we may have spoken about in the past, and sometimes we get a chance to speak about it more in depth. So, you know, that's always a wonderful thing there. Um, Next week, next Sunday, I believe I'm going to talk about black pain. And, you know, basically it will address some of the stereotypes out there. But in essence, what I want to say is that, you know, we're human. We have feelings. We feel pain. And we do matter. So, you know, we're going to talk about black pain and address some of the issues out there because there are some people, you know, that do not view us as human and don't believe that we have real feelings and that we feel real pain. And we do. And unfortunately, there's some people even in our own community that, you know, feel the same way. You know, I hear a lot of I don't care or I don't give a crap or what have you. And yes, you do. Yes, you do. So we'll talk about those issues um, next Sunday. So today, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the culture of silence, um, the culture of victimization, the culture of poverty and tone policing, victimization, stigmatization, just a variety of things, and not in any particular order, if you will, but, you know, um, I'm going to start with this culture of poverty. And the reason why I'm starting with that is because some of us um, were indoctrinated with religion, and some of us had the misfortune, if you will, of attending megachurches and being influenced by some of those ministries and even some of us that didn't necessarily go to megachurches, some of our pastors and ministers and evangelists were influenced by this prosperity gospel. And, you know, one of the questions that come up often is why are poor people poor? And they use that to manipulate people. Um, And there is no culture of poverty. There's no such thing as that because a lot of people used to blame it on behavior and attitudes, and that's not necessarily true. They do not address institutionalized racism. They do not address um, situations in which people are forced into. But some of these churches, they would try to blame a person's poverty on them, you know, maybe not tithing or giving an offering or, again, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You didn't have enough faith. And so then they start blaming the victim. So you, it's, it's just it's interesting how all of that works. And we have to go back and we have to blow this out the water and talk about this a little bit more. Maybe I should put that down as a topic that we can address and explore a little bit more this so-called, you know, culture of poverty. And that is a misnomer. There is no such thing. So if someone says that to you, um, don't believe it, and we're going to give you ammunition to fight back with that because 
again, it's about blaming the victim and shunning people. And with some of these pastors, what they do is they'll tell you God wants you to be rich, and if you're not rich, that it's your fault, or you're not planting seeds in good ground. And the good ground is always them and their cronies and, you know, the people that they know. And so, you know, again, I, you know, we'll we'll address this, but poverty, it happens. Um, We have to address institutionalized racism, um, you know, systemic racism, and, you know, public policies. I mean, we've gone over um, quite a bit of this, and um, and sometimes they even blame the victims of institutional racism, you know, and that's not, no, how can you blame someone who was oppressed for their own poverty, for their own oppression? So, again, um, with, you know, we've talked about privilege, white privilege, and Entitlement, and with some of this, um, it's just a shame because they're micro invalidations. And you know, one day we're going to talk a little bit, a lot about micro invalidations. We've talked about microaggressions and the their related concepts, and it's just interesting because sometimes with the micro invalidations. You know, the way that they're characterized, basically, um, they exclude, negate, and nullify the psychological thoughts, feelings, or experiential reality of a person of color. And, you know, again, you get tired of being marginalized. You get tired of being blamed for every ill that happens to you. But, again... We're going to talk about, you know, victim blaming and why it, you know, needs to stop and why, you know, do people blame the victims. And, you know, some of the examples and some of the, you know, statements that I've heard coming across from politicians and leaders and, you know, other people, which, you know, unfortunately you'll see people taking on the concepts and, you know, uh, of others, of people in power, and they'll say, well, if you wouldn't have been there, none of this would have happened to you. If you wouldn't have done A, B, or C, this would have, you know, you know, worked out for your benefit. And, you know, it's fault-finding. You know, it's dismissive, it's fault-finding, it's victim-blaming, and we we have to deal with this, um, you know, with the devaluing of people. And, you know, we have to stop it because the person has already been victimized, and then when you have people basically invalidating their pain or ignoring their pain, you know, it's like victimizing them, you know, a second and third time. And... You know, I was reading an article the other day about fat shaming. And you have some people out there that, you know, they see someone that's overweight, they'll basically call themselves giving them tough love. 
and say, well, you know, you have to have the willpower, um, you know, <laughs> and, you know, basically what they don't realize, especially when you're dealing with teenagers or children and even some adults, the more you blame them for being overweight or obese or what have you, some people emotionally eat. And the more you blame them, the more they're going to eat. You're not helping them. You're hurting them. And, you know, stigmas behind. I mean, I've seen people um, that have an absolute hate for, you know, overweight people. And, you know, it, it has to be addressed. I mean, talking about them, mocking them, ridiculing them, giving them this tough love, um, that's not helping. You know, actually, you know, it's, it's a very unhealthy behavior when you do that. Um, and while, you know, obesity is, you know, it's a very complicated issue there, um, you know, it's, it's up to that person, you know. And, again, some people have medical issues. Other people, again, emotional eating, they need to take some time out and maybe consult with someone to find out, you know, the root of that particular issue. You just never know what's happening with a particular individual. And, you know, it's just interesting, you know, in this country, in America, there's a lot of body shaming. And it pretty much happens to everyone. So, you know, it's not any one specific group of people, but there's a lot of body shaming and, you know, again, you know, when you open up some of these magazines, um, there was a joke on a television show that I watch every once in a while, and basically the woman said that, you know, they were looking at some wedding books. Um, and she was saying they were looking in these books so they could feel shame about their body and basically, you know, try to adhere to social standards that have been set and, again, you know, that's one thing about, you know, people in this country. I feel as though there's a lot of collectivism, in which there's nothing wrong with collectivism. But what's wrong with being an individual? What's wrong with being comfortable in your own skin? Um, and, you know, unfortunately, most of the body shaming is directed at women. You know, some women are shamed for being skinny. Uh, some women were, I don't even like to say the word skinny, you know, slender. Um, some women are shamed for being short. Others are shamed for, you know, whether they have, you know, <laughs> body hair or for being unfeminine or for being too sexy or too prudish or in some cases for even being smart. Um, it's just, it's just interesting. Um, some women are shamed for, you know, not rising to the aesthetic or the aesthetical um, images of what beauty is perceived to be in this country. Um, you know, some women are, you know, shamed for being pretty because, you know, in some cases, you know, being, you know, pretty or a beautiful woman means that they're dumb, you know. So, you know, again, everybody gets it on some level, um, and it's not acceptable. 
is not acceptable. You know, you have to have empathy. You need to be able to put yourself in that other person's shoes. So, again, um, it's just interesting. Um, some examples of, you know, again, fat shaming is, you know, this one lady is telling a story about how she was at the grocery store. And an elderly woman stopped her and told her to buy the skim milk <laughs> and told her to put the butter back and get some reduced fat, fake butter stuff and to do egg beaters instead of real eggs, you know. And she basically told the woman that she didn't like seeing young women looking so chubby and, you know, said she lost 30 pounds the year before on one of those um Programs, so you know, and this is a perfect stranger stopping someone else, and you know, so it happens. It happens. You have a lot of people out here um, that you know take it upon themselves <laughs> to criticize and to judge other people. It's, it's like wow. Um, it's just you know interesting how that works. Um, when I first started, you know, going to the gym personally, you know, I used to have people say, oh, good for you. And, you know, it was just interesting um, how that, I mean, I still have people coming over to encourage me when they see me sweating it out on a treadmill. But the thing is, is that, you know, people don't know your situation. They don't know what's happening in your life. And, you know, they make all of these asinine, you know, affirmations there. So um, it's just it's interesting um, how all of that works. Um, you get fat shaming even at your doctor, you know, because, you know, in the past I've had doctors that were a little bit on the heavier side, and basically, you know, they would say, well, you need to lose weight and watch your sugar intake and all of these um, in making comments. And, you know, the whole thing is interesting. You have to learn how to stop them and put them in their place. Um, What I find, you know, um, interesting is, you know, when you address these issues, and especially if you address them head on, the other person, you know, in some cases they act shocked as though, you know, how dare you speak to me like that. And, and, And you're not speaking to them in any other kind of way. You're just saying stop doing that. And basically, you know, with, you know, with a couple of my doctors, after we had that conversation and, you know, after we went through the diagnostics and we found out about, you know, some of the issues that I was having, and it explained some things. It explained, you know, the unexplained weight gain. Couldn't figure out, you know, what was happening there. And now it's reversed because now we can't explain the weight loss. So... You know, it fluctuates and, you know, doesn't have anything to necessarily do with overeating. It has to do do with some illnesses that I'm combating and about finding the right combination of medications to basically um, even me out or balance me out. And that's, you know, what we're doing now. I mean, I kept a diary of what I was eating, kept a diary of my exercise routines. and I mean, I have a personal trainer, and, you know, I've been doing that for well over a year now. 
And for a long time, even with the personal training and the balanced diet, I was still gaining weight, and we could not figure out why until I went into the doctor's office and basically advocated for myself and demanded that they run a certain set of tests. And once we ran the certain set of tests, I was right about what was happening to me. And they had to acknowledge that, you know, um, that I have a chronic illness. And, and that explained why we were having the issues with unexplained weight gain. And then now something else going on because now I'm losing it and losing it too fast. But it kind of balanced out. So we'll see what's happening with that there. But, you know, there are a lot of different reasons. You know, Marissa in a chat room made a comment, and she says, I think shaming is rooted in other people's projections of insecurities and, of course, ignorance. And you're right. You know, um, it it is. It really is. Um, with other people, sometimes they try to shame people or bash them to the point that the other person, you know, either changes their personality or change their existence or, you know, adhere or subjugate themselves to, you know, you know, social conformities that, you know, most people can't even adhere to. And sometimes when people do the shaming, you know, it can be obvious or it can be very nuanced. And basically, you know, there are a lot of different ways that that can happen. Um, you know, slut shaming. You know, there's a lot of nuanced slut shaming. I mean, we see all of this all over the place. You see it on Twitter. You see it on Facebook. It's just absolutely Incredible, and what I find interesting is a lot of people feel as though because there's anonymity on the internet, they can say and do whatever, not realizing how easy it is to you know track that information down or track that person down. But you know, one of the examples of nuanced slut shaming is basically um, you know, telling a woman or a girl that they have no self-respect if they wear short skirts or low shirts. You know, uh, you can be calling someone an attention whore or, you know, or um, calling someone, you know, pathetic or desperate for, you know, having had several sex partners or actively seeking them out, you know, so... It's just interesting, you know. They also use words like over-aggressive. So, you know, again, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things. You know, we've talked about rape culture. And unfortunately, with rape culture, you know, it's, it's about blaming the victim as opposed to blaming the rapist for the assault. And unfortunately, in, you know, many cultures and many countries, because it's not just in America, we're seeing this played out all over the place. That's one of the beautiful things about the Internet is that a lot of things is getting harder to hide, this type of thing. And basically, you know, rape culture is blaming the victim, again, rather than the rapist for the assault, and then trying to say that the victim did something to provoke the attack. And, you know, instead of teaching men not to rape, they teach women not to get raped, which is backwards. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people who feel as though, you know, that's the best um, recourse, you know, to teach the woman to not, you know, get raped. And unfortunately, that's, you know, you can be dressed 
you know, like a nun. You can be dressed, I mean, in wool and polyester from head to toe. If someone has decided that they're going to violate you, that's exactly what they're going to do. You know, it's, it's an act of violence. It's an act of power, control, and dominance. You know, so we have to start looking at these things a little bit different. And, yes, I simplified it, and it's a very complex, you know, issue that has to be dealt with. And, you know, as I've explained to you guys in the past, do your research. Go out there and, you know, research these things for yourself because, unfortunately, um, not only with just rape culture but a lot of this, you know, victimization and stigmatization, it leads people to not speaking out about the issues. And the people that are victimizing others, you know, if, if they're not challenged and critiqued, they think that their behavior is okay because no one said anything about it. And unfortunately, you know, you see a lot of people agreeing with that person and they tend to encourage them to continue on with that type of behavior. And, you know, we have to do better. We have to do better about this. Um, you know, in some cultures, you know, some, and, and I'm sure some of you that have been indoctrinated with religion, you know, especially when they teach about Adam and Eve, you know, basically there are some men that think that women are evil, inherently evil, and some men think that women deserve abuse. Um no, and then once they're done, and I've seen this in different churches, um, and not so much about sexual abuse per se, even though that's part of it, um, because there are many sexual predators at church. Um, what I found interesting is, and you talk, you all have seen this in different articles um, in which you've seen, not only in church, but just, you know, across the board in which, the sexual predator or the rapist or, you know, the pedophile or what have you, they'll blame the victim and say that the victim seduced them or blame, you know, the victim for their actions or they'll say that you have to be punished for your sins or in some cases, you know, God or the Holy Spirit told them to, to you know, violate someone. And, you know, when you go back, to the theology of original sin, you know, sometimes some people use that to justify their actions. And that's not right. You know, I've seen many debates about whether it was Adam's fault or Eve's fault. You know, I see that debate going on over and over in many different forums. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, they'd rather have those arguments than to deal with the system. You know, they don't want to talk about, you know, patriarchy and, you know, how patriarchal religion happens to be and how significant of a role that plays in our society. You know, again, what I find interesting, they nitpick, people nitpick. And it's not just even so much religion, I'm just saying in general, how patriarchy plays a prominent role in our country and how we need to address these particular issues 
and um, you know um, how that goes. Um, just dealing with these particular people. Um, ah, so yeah, you know, had a couple of trolls in a room, and so yeah, we find interesting um, how all of this <laughs> comes about and dealing with these issues. But, yeah, you know, interesting when we have topics like this, how the trolls come out, you know, how they make their way and find their way to us, but that's okay. But, yeah, so, you know, again, you know, that was another example of victim blaming. And, you know, sometimes they'll change justifications, but it doesn't matter what they say, it's still unacceptable. And we have to openly challenge this because, it's like a cancer. It's like a cancer. It has to get cut out. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that have been, oh, so, yeah, um, yeah, the whole thing is interesting. But, yeah, there are a lot of, um, you know, um, different things that we have to talk about <laughs> Um, you know, I would tell you all to check out the Everyday Sexism Project. It's interesting when we talk about sexism or, um, you know, victim blaming or slut shaming, you know, how we receive the most resistance when talking about those particular topics. Hmm. And what's interesting is you even have people in the free thought community that believe and feel as though this is an issue that doesn't need to be addressed and that men should not be um, basically taught to not rape and that women should be taught to not get raped. And, you know, it's just interesting how all of that you know, comes about and how all of that falls in line. And, again, you know, as part of being, as a part of the free thought community, I honestly thought that we were a little bit more enlightened. But, you know, it's come to my understanding that that was, you know, <laughs> you know, that was a dream because, you know, we're all learning and we're all growing and evolving. But, I mean, seriously? Seriously, so, you know, moving on, you know, different, um, you know, there are many faces of victim blaming, and I'm sure we've all had, you know, some type of experience in this, um, you know, bullying, you know, we've had a lot of issues with bullying, you know, we have internet bullying, you know, cyber bullying, as they call it, we have workplace bullying, you know, they've had all these different campaigns with people being bullied at school, you know, the children. And, you know, these are issues that definitely need to be addressed. And, you know, they need to be called out. They need to be called out, and people need to be challenged on all of this. And why are we so, you know, um, in this particular country? Finger pointing. You know, people need to start standing up and owning what they've done. I mean, you have emotional policing. And, you know, it happens. You know, you'll have people say, you know, you're so insensitive, you know, so basically because you 
may not have agreed with what they had to say or you may not have seen it the same way or, you know, you, what have you. They'll say you're so insensitive. You've heard people say you have serious issues. Um, you know, <laughs> if you can't control your words better than you're a bad A, B, or C, whether it's a bad atheist or a bad, you know, Christian or what have you, you know, um, you're supposed to be more compassionate. I hope you get over your problem with people or why are you so angry? And the angry comment, you know, we get that quite often, especially with, um, I've seen that with black women. That's one of the stereotypes with um black women, you'll have people trying to categorize us as angry when that's not necessarily the case. Um, I think we have Deborah on the line with us here. Deborah, is that you? Yes, me. How y'all doing today? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying your conversation because it needs to be discussed, really, seriously. You know, I mean, they don't want to talk about it. But it has to be discussed so we can get this, well, I don't know what you would call it, this ism <laughs> between black mm-hmm. folks, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot that has to be addressed, you know, mm-hmm. in our community. And, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, Unfortunately, a lot of this has been, you know, swept under the rug, and we need to basically snatch the rug off and, you know, address it. But that's what we're doing with this show. And, you know, um, it makes life, you know, a lot easier. At least I feel a lot more liberated when I talk about these particular issues. So, you know, we're addressing it. Again, you know, encouraging people to get out and do some research for themselves and, you know, to go from there. So, you know, we find it quite interesting um, how all of that, you know, comes about. But, you know, it's getting better, don't you think? Uh, I don't know. A lot of stuff is just, Got a new name to it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I. I have to think about that one. I just see a new name to stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. A different name. Oh yeah. I mean, it's the same issue, just different name. Um, you know, we've talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing is. Um, <laughs> You know, you know, interesting. You know how this, you know, comes about. But yeah, you know, again, you know, you have to address it. But you know, some of the emotional. I see a lot of emotional policing, and you know, like you know, Marissa said earlier. You know, a lot of this is psychological. You know, and in some cases, it's a defense mechanism. You know, and. It's just interesting. You know, people need to learn, you know, better coping skills. Um, You know, we've talked about, you know, cognitive dissonance. And 
a lot of people, you know, don't realize or understand how it makes them uncomfortable and makes people doubt themselves and, you know, how to go about changing that and to address it. Because in some cases it is, you know, people projecting, you know, negative feelings that they have or anxiety that they may have and or things that they may have had happen to them. You know, I've seen that in a lot of cases, whereas if a person was bullied growing up, sometimes they turn into a bully. And this happens more often than not. Um, so, you know, it's good that we're addressing it because for so long, you know, a lot of this information, you know, that's available to us now, you know, they've been in books and books that have not necessarily been available or encouraged to read, if you will. A lot of this was, you know, encapsulated or written in, you know, college textbooks and, you know, not available to the general public. But, again, that's the good thing about the Internet that, you know, you're able to address a lot of these issues now and deal with it. And, you know, people can research it for themselves and, you know, kind of go from there. But the issues are coming to light, and I guess that's all that really matters at this point. Let's see here. We have a caller on 423. And we ask who's calling 423. Tyrone. Who? Tyrone. All right, Tyrone. It was nice talking to you, dear. But, um... <laughs> you know, the whole thing is yeah. interesting. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I, it's nice to hear his voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. ah. Yeah, you know, you know, instead of us calling Tyrone, Tyrone called us today. Ah. You, you know, so. Tyrone. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, that is hilarious. But, yeah, you know, have you ever noticed that, Devorah, when we talk about real issues like victimization and stigmatization and with the tone policing and all of this type of stuff, when we talk about these type of issues, it's like it seems as though people go out of their way to try to, try to disrupt the conversation. Well, you know why, though? I mean, they don't they don't want to lose power. That's what it's all right. about. I mean, you you're a threat, okay? That that's how everything is all. You know why we just like um, uh, this thing with you know in DC what's happening right now. You know they don't. <laughs> everything is a threat to mm-hmm. money and power. Right. You know, simple as that. You know I I'm not surprised. At all. I mean, it's been going on for so long, you know, uh, right. different different strokes for different folks, but it's been going on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, yes. They use going different, on for- different, different methods for different people. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. So, right. And so when we challenge, you know, these types of issues here, you know, it, it you're right, it threatens certain people because they're mm-hmm. so used to being power 
they're so used to having, you know, their own way that when we start addressing these issues and encouraging people to become healthy or healthier, if you will, in, you know, their interactions with others, you know, encouraging them to get a better understanding as to what's happening around them and encouraging them to evolve and to grow as, you know, an individual, you know, these some of these people take it as a personal affront because people profit from others being mm-hmm. ignorant. And there are quite a few people that are profiting from, you know, people um, not understanding, you know, the psychology behind religion, the psychology behind victimization, the psychology behind, you know, a lot of this. You know, they need for people to stay silent and ignorant mm-hmm. and compliant. Mm-hmm. And when we start challenging those things, then it becomes, you know, a problem. And that's okay. You know, we're going to continue to challenge it. You know, again, you know, there are stigmas behind quite a few things, you know, mental illness, you know, and that is slowly being dismantled, which is wonderful um, Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people out here that are undiagnosed, underdiagnosed, um, and unfortunately, you know, with a lot of the facilities that used to be available where people could go get help, many of those were shut down and closed. Now, in, in, in some cases, the people were being abused and taken advantage of, and we needed to go in there and, um, you know, basically um, go in there and change the system. But... Um, You know, what they did was they shut them down and they released the people into the streets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when we saw the explosion in the homeless population. Um, We saw an even bigger explosion of, you know, certain acts because, you know, the people weren't receiving their medication and counseling that they needed. Unfortunately, in many of you know, the jail systems and prison systems now, they're being used as mental health facilities. And especially here in Chicago at the Cook County um, Police Headquarters, basically, it's basically turned into a mental health ward. And, you know, we've been addressing this. It's been in the news. And there's nowhere else for them to go, pretty much. And the mental health care budgets are being slashed. And, you know, again, these people are being turned out into the streets or, you know, they end up in jail. And in many cases, they just need some assistance, you know, whether it's with their medication and, again, with the counseling. But, again, it's been stigmatized. You know, one of the things that, you know, we've talked about on this show before is how at one point, you know, having some type of mental illness was stigmatized even in the church. And, and, you know, they would, some people would call people with mental health issues crazy or tell them that they were demon-possessed or, you know, any number of things. And it's still somewhat stigmatized in the church. The only thing that's changed a little bit with some churches that have stopped stigmatizing it is some of them have figured out a way to make money from it. So, that's where this Christian counseling comes in or life coaches or what have you. And some of these churches make money off of it. So 
they want you to go to counseling, but they want you to go to counselors that they've endorsed, which is usually members or, you know, good friends or cronies or associates or something to that effect. And they make money money. because they're able, yeah, yeah, they're able to charge Mm -hmm. Medicaid, your insurance companies, all of that. But the problem is, you know, quite a few of these people are not accredited. They're not, Mm -hmm. you know, they're licensed for Christian counseling, but, you know, how much schooling, you know, does that take? And, I mean, even with, you know, some of the different programs out here, um, you know, I just say to tread carefully, to definitely tread carefully um, in, in that there. But some of the stigmatization, you know, has come down and some of the rhetoric has been toned down, but yet it's only because they've figured out a way to make money from it. Um mm. And the same thing with this, you know, Affordable Care Act, even before it became law, even when they were just discussing this, you know, way back in 2008, even before 2008 when it was on the bo- on board, but really after President Obama was elected, I was talking about how some of these churches were going to find a way to profit from that as well. And I was talking about how they were going to become brokers and, you know, open up other services. And this is what quite a few of them have done. So they looked at it, they looked at the situation, found ways in which they can capitalize off of it and profit from it. So, you know, again, um, you know, we're just telling people to look at the big picture and to see, you know, what's happening around them and to get a better understanding, glean a better understanding of what's happening. Because a lot of this, a lot of these issues, you know, you know, are are um, wrapped up in capitalism, at least what I was talking about there. But, yeah, you know, so you have a lot of different issues out there. You know, HIV and AIDS. You know, there used to be a lot of stigma behind HIV and AIDS, and there still is some stigma behind it. However, you know, there are medications today that are affording people to, you know, live longer, healthier lives. You know, even with, you know, the HIV, and that's a wonderful thing. Hopefully we're getting closer to a cure for, you know, a number of um, autoimmune diseases and disorders that are out there. So, you know, again, you know, we encourage people to um, donate to some of the funding for, you know, finding a cure for many of these things. So, yeah, you know, it's a lot of stigmas out there, and they need to definitely be addressed, you know, homophobia, you know. Um, what did Morgan Freeman say? He doesn't like the word homophobic because they're not afraid. They're just assholes. You know, mm-hmm. what other people do, and, again, this goes back to the shaming, what other people, you know, do with their lives is their business. You know, as long as it's not infringing upon you, what difference does it make to you? Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting how all of that comes about. But even with HIV and AIDS, we've done a show on that before, and we were talking about the, you know, the deafening silence of the church and how the church, you know, missed the bus in addressing those particular issues. Mm-hmm. And... You know, you have some churches addressing it, which is wonderful. 
you know, because yeah, they do yeah. have the bully pulpit. Oh, yeah, you know, but then you have other churches that only address it one week out of the year, and they only address it then because they get grant money. Mm-hmm. So what about the other 51 weeks out of the year? So, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. So, you know, the whole thing is, you know, interesting how all that they started it. Start, really? Started it what? They started oh, the homophobia. Just, yeah, being yeah. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, they, you know, they started it. Mm-hmm. You know, they made well, it so it, people didn't like uh, certain people, and, that, and that's the way they do. Well, you know, you know unfortunately, um, yeah, you're right. You know, unfortunately, um, mm. with a lot of the black church, they take you know, cues from, you know, certain white evangelicals, if you will. Oh, yeah. Because there have always, yes, you know, there have always been LGBTQ members of the church. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. something that has been going on ever, exactly. Ran ran the church, Valerie, ran the church. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, and I mean, you know, truth to be told, if you ever get a chance to get inside the good old boys circle, you'll see it's a lot more of them than most people realize, you know. That's right, that's right. Exactly. And it used to not be an issue, yeah. It used to not be an issue, but then, you know, again, with, um, with some of these, you know, white evangelicals, you know, they started attacking members of the LGBTQ community. And, Mm -hmm. you know, black churches started picking up on that. You know, there are whole coalitions out here that are fighting against, you know, marriage equality, that are fighting against, you know, a number of things regarding the LGBTQ community. And Mm -hmm. what I find unfortunate is, again, you know, going back to talking about some of the just general issues or, you know, systemic issues out there, they're not addressing that, mm-hmm. you know, but they want to attack individual issues and attack people. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lot of ad hominem out there, but, you know, instead of, you know, you know, attacking the LGBTQ community, you know, what they need to be talking about. I mean, if you're going to be talking about marriage and how, you know, uh, marriage equality threatens heterosexual marriage, if you will, then mm-hmm. people need to start talking about some of the issues in heterosexual marriage. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about money management. Let's talk about mm-hmm. sexual health. Let's mm-hmm. talk about, you know, compatibility. Let's talk about, you know, again, setting up, um, you know, false promises. You know, if you will, and what I mean when I say false promises, one of the things that I remember from being in church is, you know, a pastor would stand up and say God told him or the Holy Spirit told him before he came out to preach that, you know, ten women in the church were going to find their husband, going to find their Boaz, if you will. <laughs> so, of course, mm-hmm. you know, the church explodes with, you know, emotion. Hallelujah. And yes. <laughs> right. You know, because, you know, there are primarily women in the church that's, you know, that's what's keeping the church going, you know, it's women. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, quite a few of those women, uh, you know, are looking for husbands, if you will. So, you know, you got to string them along, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, teach you yeah, all some boy. of the game. Teach you all mm-hmm. some of the game. What they do is they'll get out there 
and they'll say, well, God told them, you know, a certain amount of women are going to receive husbands. And then they say, but you have to find your husband in this church. So that Mm -hmm. keeps the women coming to church, but it also encourages men to come to church, if you will, because, you know, they get a chance to sample the chocolates, if you will, before, you know, before they one, and, you know, it's it's just interesting, the psychology behind all of this, but Mm -hmm. again, you know, um, it's just so much that needs to be talked about, so much that needs to be discussed, and, you know, instead of addressing the bigger issue, the real issues, you know, they'd rather pick, you know, nitpick and cherry pick at, Mm -hmm. you know, basically people and groups of people that I won't say are defenseless, but, you know, to a certain degree they are. So, Mm -hmm. again, you know, (laughs) you know, um, they need to talk more about sexuality. There are a lot of different things um, that definitely need to be addressed. Um, You know, um, people that have terminal illnesses, you know, mm-hmm. that's not being addressed, you know, chronic illnesses, you often go out and look, you know, this information up, you know, but also, you know, people that are victims of neglect and abuse. You would think that, you know, children who are in situations in which the parents are negligent or their caretakers or caregivers are negligent, you would think that they would have a safe space. And, you know, there are different programs out there to address these particular issues. However, um, it's not enough. And, you know, unfortunately, and this is something that I've seen in the past, when a child speaks up and says that they're being abused or neglected, you know, many many people have been conditioned to not believe the child. Yeah. You know, and, and try to mm-hmm. say that the child is making it up or the child doesn't know what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, we've seen in the news about, you know, more and more children dying from neglect, whether they're being starved or just outright killed or, mm-hmm. you know, just a number of issues, you know, um, It's unfortunate, you know, these children are being raped. I saw a story a couple of weeks back about, you know, these parents that decided to procreate, and before they even had their children, they had decided that they were going to sexually abuse their own kids. Mm -hmm. You know, so that goes back into some of the issues we talked about earlier with mental health care. You know, we have to break down and dismantle these stigmas so that people will you know, go out and get the help that they need. I mean, did they, again, did, go ahead. Did they uh, give a reason why they felt that way? You know what? I didn't even really read more into the story. I read a couple of lines, and it turned my stomach, and I had to walk away yeah. from it. I, I, because you know, I wonder where they get it from, you know, that's all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the chance that, you know, it may have been done to them. I don't know, you know, but, again, there is no excuse, you know, and that goes no. back to I just, you know, if you're a victim of that type of abuse or neglect, then, you know, there should be a way for that to be reported and help those children get the help so they yeah. won't continue to perpetuate itself. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, again, like, uh huh. I was just gonna say, just like, <clears throat> excuse me, just like also what's been popping up uh, more than ever is uh, children being starved to death. You know? Right. Uh, like, no, I don't mean yeah, starved to death too. But I'm thinking uh, what I was thinking about was uh, when a child is sick and they don't take them to a doctor, mm-hmm. and they've been trying, right. they've been trying a couple, few cases on that too because they don't believe in doctors. Right. Okay. That's right. what's going on. Yeah. That's sick too. Yeah. It's just you know, it's the whole thing. You know, yeah, you know, children are dying and, um, you know, from, you know, not being taken to the doctor. You know, we've seen incidents in which um, basically, um, how can I put it, you know, they'll say their religion forbids them from taking a child to church or they feel that the power of prayer will heal the child, just a number of different things. And, you know, um, it's unfortunate because that's why I've said in the past that children need their own civil rights movement, if you will, because, you know, they're little people, they're individuals, and they have rights. And unfortunately, in this country, a lot of people feel as though their children are their property and that they can say and do whatever they choose to their children, and some men feel they can do the same thing to their wives. Because that is their property. And, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, you have people out there that, you know, still think that everybody is their property. You know, they think their employees are their property. But, again, you know, going back to, you know, the victim blaming, you know, it seems to be the rule and not the exception. And we need to, you know, address that, you know, like I said, you know, we have some systemic issues, particularly in this country. You know, they're not, you know, dealing with, you know, racial inequities. They're not dealing with the rape culture, not dealing with poverty, you know, sexism, homophobia, just a number of different things. And it's easier to blame the victim than to deal with the system itself. And we have to change that narrative. And that's why it's important that we continue to talk about these things. And, you know, um, there's, there are just a lot of myths out there that need to be addressed. And um, these people do not bring this upon themselves. And it's unfortunate that, you know, a lot of people feel as though, you know, these people bring it upon themselves. And, you know, where is our mm-hmm. compassion? Where is our compassion as a nation? Where is our compassion as individuals? You know, should we have compassion on these people mm-hmm. instead of hurling more hurt upon them? So, you know, what's happened? You know, and, you know, we, it's just, you know, it's hurtful. You know, to me as an individual, when I see other people hurting and bullying and shaming other people. You know, I just, I I don't understand. And, you know, I'm not innocent. You know, I've been 
I've been a perpetrator of that myself, but I'm trying to grow as an individual. And as I grow and read and get a better understanding, you know, I clean up my behavior. And that's what we're supposed to do, right? Right, that's right. But, I, you know, I hate to say it, but because of everything that's going on, you know, people losing jobs and and houses and everything, I hate to say this, but I think it's more people now since they're in the same situation that a lot of a lot of people, and I have to say not just blacks because you have always had poor whites, um, they understand it now a little bit more. I mean, sometimes you got to go through something to mm-hmm. understand stuff. You know, sometimes a lot of times, well, I should say a lot of times, you have to go through something in order to understand what other people are going through. Because a lot of people, like you see them people up there, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. You know, right. if I saw one of those Congress people, I'm like, are you crazy? I would have to ask him, oh, what, what, what prescription drugs are you on? Because right. they don't know what they – I don't even see how they get – how do you qualify to be a congressman? Because I don't think they check their brain at all. <laughs> I'm, but I, I, it's funny, but I'm serious. I'm serious. These, I mean, stuff that they say a child will know better. That's all. Right. Hmm. Yeah, you would think. Um, but, yeah, you know, again, with some people, um, you know, you have to experience it before you can get a better understanding um, of the situation, you know, and that's unfortunate, but that's how it goes. You know, sometimes experience is a teacher, and it does seem as though, you know, there's some people that are a little bit more compassionate and a little bit more understanding because they've, you know, experienced some issues that others, you know, you know, I'll honestly say that, you know, there are some people that have come to a better understanding, especially after this last um, recession that we went through, that, and you're correct, people lost jobs, people lost homes, businesses shut down. Um, we've had all of this, you know, um, inclement weather, just a number of different issues. And, you know, that's what brought about Occupy Wall Street, you know, for those of you that are familiar with Occupy Wall Street. And that was because um, basically the middle class has been crushed and decimated. And even though, in my personal opinion, there is really no such thing as a middle class, um, it's just more hierarchical bullshit that they give the public because there are some people out there who must who feel as though they must be better than someone else. But mm-hmm. that's another story there. But with Occupy Wall Street, you know, basically these are people, mainly young adults, that are college graduates and, you know, were living for that American dream, which turned out to be a nightmare for them, Um and, again, going back to, you know, what we talked about with privilege, whereas there were just certain things that were understood that you would have, you know, this opportunity or that opportunity available to you 
and now that those opportunities are not available anymore, um, you know, there are quite a few people that have become, you know, disillusioned by that, which I understand. And one of the conflicts with Occupy Wall Street and communities of color, if you will, um, some of them get upset because not a lot of people of color came out to support them. But what they didn't realize is that we have been experiencing this for generations, if you will. And now they're experiencing some of what we have um, adapted to and grown accustomed to in certain respects. And, you know, some of the questions that have come up is, you know, where were you when we were going through this? So now that you're dealing with some of the same issues, you want us to come out and protest with you. You know, and unfortunately, um, one of the experiences of communities of color is in the past in some situations, well, not some, but many situations, we would, you know, be an ally and show solidarity to certain groups. And then once that goal was achieved or close enough to, you know, what they wanted, we were thrown under the bus. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, Occupy Wall Street had quite a few communities of color coming out and, you know, joining them, um, and it's expanded, you know, because, you know, Occupy Wall Street, some good has come from that, and they are helping people, and, you know, that particular movement has grown quite a bit. Um, You know, you have the 99% and the 1%, you know, you had that, Um, argument coming up for a while. And basically, you have the haves versus the have-nots. And this is why I encourage people to go out and basically do some research, gain a better understanding as to what's happening out here. But, yeah, it's the system itself that needs to be addressed. And, you know, again, it's easier to blame the victim than to blame the system you know, and you've had people out here saying you can't fight City Hall. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. And it's more of us than them, you know. Mm-hmm. And if we were to band together, this is why I've been saying we have to put our boots back on. It's time to get to marching again because, mm-hmm. you know, in communities of color, we've been set back, you know, um, if you start, if you go back and you look at the statistics of what's happening in our communities now, we are in worse shape than we were before the civil rights, well, the bill, you know, the civil rights bill, and you know, it's, it's just it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, and you know, I'm Jermaine put a link on my wall today, you know, and was talking about this particular rapper here and talking about the gangs here in Chicago. And unfortunately, when the system set up many of these communities, I mean, where are the jobs? Where are the opportunities? Where is the education? You know, where are the small business loans? You know, where where are these things? You know, living in food deserts. And when there are restaurants in the neighborhood, is is fatty, greasy stuff. Um, You know, there are no grocery stores. You know, you have to catch two buses and a train or catch a taxi that's going to cost you $25 there and $25 back, you know, and that 
same $50 you spent on cab fare, you know, now you have to choose between paying your cell phone bill or paying your electric bill. So, you know, again, you know, it has to be addressed. There's so much that needs to be dealt with, but it's easier just to blame the victim. And we we have to change that narrative. We have to, you know, go beyond that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, how a lot of this works. Um, in some cases with some of the bullying and, you know, some of the stigmatizing and all of that, you know, there are other people that bear witness to these situations and they don't believe that it's right, but in some cases they have been shamed into silence, you know, and that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the culture of silence. Sometimes, you know, the victim is silenced and the witnesses are silenced because in many cases, you know, people that have witnessed this type of, you know, mistreatment, they're silent because they know if they say anything, then they're next. Like a mob mentality. I think a lot of people I think a lot of people need to experience going to some of those places like um I can't think I think it's Salvation Army. Uh when I you know, when I was, I had to wait four years for my social security disability. Four. Mm-hmm. Um so I experienced <laughs> some things I had never <laughs> experienced before. Salvation Army right. boy. Now, I had to go while I'm waiting for them to decide to help me with my house note, which they didn't give me but, mm-hmm. like, one-third of that. They go, I had to go into counseling for uh, managing money. Now, if I ain't got no money to manage, <laughs> uh, why? And please don't say you don't, don't uh, uh, you know how they, you be talking about, you know, this uh, oh, it's a beautiful day. What church you go to? Don't ever say you don't go to no church. Right. Don't ever say that when you're looking for help, okay? Try to get out the conversation the best way you can. Mm hmm. So that's a no. That's a no. No, you don't get shit type of thing. Okay? (laughs) Just warning people. (laughs) <laughs> or at least you can say, well, you haven't found a church home, but you're visiting. So yeah, you got to do something. Got to do something. <laughs> then they're going to say, well, come to my church. Praise the Lord. And then you ask them yeah. what denomination. They say Baptist. Oh, unfortunately, I'm non-denominational. Oh, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> you you got to do it, something. It really doesn't matter. Because, I mean, to don't me, say that's that. part of the But that's part Man, of the bullying. Don't say that. Yeah, and you don't wait it. You don't wait it in the uh, waiting room for three hours, and then that's yes. you know. Come on, people need to experience a lot of things. They talk it, but they don't know it. I'm serious. <sighs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah, it, it, undercover, undercover stuff going on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, and you know, <laughs> it's unfortunate, but again. That's another issue that has to be, you know, addressed because I consider part of that as bullying or part of it as emotional blackmail. I mean, it's it's a number of different things you can call it depending on how they come at you. But, you know, the whole thing, let's say you had someone with you, you know, and someone else that was seeking assistance and you both went there and 
the woman, you know, or whoever the caseworker was, and you say you didn't go to church, and your friend heard that and saw that, then basically, you know, they can't necessarily um, hang with you. You know, testify on your behalf because if they do, then they won't receive any services. And I mean, you know, same thing, you know, with work, with workplace bullying that, you know, I've seen happen over the years. If you witness somebody being mistreated and if you say anything, now you're going to receive the same type of mistreatment, if not worse. But the only thing is, is that in some cases it goes back to privilege. You know, the black person is fired but the white person has just shifted to another department. Funny how that works. But, um, <laughs> and it's true. It's mm-hmm. true. Very true. And so, true. you know, again, oh, yeah. So it's just interesting. Um, you know, we've had incidents in the atheist community with tone policing. And, you know, what I find interesting about all of that is with the tone policing, it only goes one way. And, you know, the examples that, you know, we've talked about on the show, it was generally men tone policing women. Mm-hmm. And if you try to call mean? them out, hmm? What does that mean, tone policing? Well, basically saying, well, you should be nicer in what you're saying. And, oh, no. uh, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> on my on one of the pictures that I put up, um, I put up tone policing. You're not speaking mm-hmm. nicely enough to white people. The only way to deconstruct racism and white supremacy is to be peaceful and nice and get them on your side. Then they'll listen. That's the only way. That's tone policing. Yes, of all. Yes, of all. Y- yes, of all. Yeah. You mean that? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. but... You- <laughs> but you know, you know, it's just interesting. But I mean, not only that, you know, not only just with race relations, but also dealing with, you know, the opposite gender or the opposite sex. You know, you'll hear, um, you know, some men, you know, that would tell, you know, the woman to calm down and talk to me like you have some sense, while their voices are. Elevating, but you know, going back to what I was saying about the tone policing, it does seem to only go one way, and it's usually, you know, if from you know what I've seen, um, <laughs> you know, telling someone who is not privileged, if you will, that you know they're being too loud or they're too angry, and unfortunately, you know, those same people are being told to take the high road and to ignore it, and. You know, it goes into, you know, political correctness. And it's just, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it's happening more and more in which people are telling you what you should say and how you should say it. And even now, you know, there's pressure. And, you know, people are trying to tell us to stop using words like racist and sexist in its proper context because it makes the other people feel bad or feel inadequate, Um, you know, and, you know, that goes into, you know, a number of things. You know, I've always talked about reverse racism, and when people start saying, you know, talking about reverse racism or accusing me of reverse racism, they don't realize that they're admitting that there is racism and that some of their thoughts are racist. But, you know, woe to me for confronting it and telling them no or saying that the system that is in place is biased. 
So this is interesting, um, you know, how all of that plays out. But, you know, again, with some of these words, people are going in and redefining them, you know, redefining these particular words um, and basically just trying to turn the system inside out. And, again, victim blaming. If you're a member of a protected class or an oppressed community, you know, you should not hesitate to challenge and critique the people who are continuing to oppress and, you know, stigmatize and victimize you. That is your right. I just say go out and get a better understanding as to what's happening. Um, you know, um, it's just it's a lot of things happening out here. Um, it's okay if you speak up. You just They just don't want you to speak too loudly. Or, you know, they want you to be politically correct and not make, you know, the you know, perpetrators too uncomfortable because this is how it's always been. And you want to change things? Why? Things have been working perfectly the way that they are. So why would you want to change it? And that's usually, you know, um, the, you know, response that you, it's, it's not necessarily given verbatim like that, but that's, what is alluded to, and there are a lot of double standards out here, and that's why they have to be addressed, they have to be confronted, um, and it's just, you know, it's disheartening, very much mm-hmm. so. But, yeah, so, you know, that's what's been happening there. That's why we tell people to go out and do some research and look this type of thing up for themselves because, you know, what has happened to the compassion? What has, you know, happened to empathy, sympathy, all of those things? You know, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. Um, But, yeah, we have to get out of, you know, some of these mentalities, if you will, and, you know, start critiquing, you know, these systems that are deeply entrenched. And, you know, it's very destructive. Very destructive. So, again, that's why we tell people to get out there, do some reading, pick up some books, um, do the research, and try to improve as an individual. Because, you know, when you start blaming the victim, the impact of it can be deep, can be very deep. And, you know, again, re-victimizing the victim. And unfortunately, you know, especially in a patriarchal system, a lot of that is perpetuated um, to the point that, you know, I've said on many occasions, the dysfunction has become so commonplace that it's deemed normal, and that's unfortunate. So, you know, we need to take some time out to reflect on who we are as an individual, and, you know, if there's someone in distress, you know, try to be proactive as opposed to giving some type of knee-jerk reaction to the situation. You know, um, it's just it's, it's interesting. You know, we talked a little bit about projection. And, you know, um, projection is when we feel something and attribute that feeling as coming from whatever upset us rather than within us. 
so, you know, you know, you hear someone say you're irrational and maybe should get some help. And but that's after you know, you've provoked that person. You've been poking the bear, if you will, and then they react and now you're telling them that they're irrational and they should get some help. You know, um we've seen that happen. I see it on Facebook all the time. And you know, it's it's just interesting. Um so yeah, you know, these defense mechanisms. I got cussed out the other day. I got cussed out uh, the other night. <laughs> the guy said, who the hell do you think you are? Oh, you just a, a bitch. I mean, he just went off, you know. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't even forgot what the subject was about, really. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, and that's I just, you know, I You know, he was, but they were saying something negative about women, something like hoes. Or something, uh, and they probably, and he was saying, you probably go after them white men, I, I, or something. I, I, oh, no, I probably vote for, um, uh, 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 what's the child's name uh, that's running for president? This, they think you're going to run for president, the white lady. And I told him, I oh, said, Hillary. Uh-uh, yeah, uh, uh, Hillary. Yeah, Hillary. I told him, I said, look, black men are the ones that pant when they see a white woman. I don't be doing that. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was yeah. very calm. I was very calm, you know, because, see, I'm not into, you know, black, I mean, white men. You know, for him to say stuff, the stuff that he was saying was stupid. And right, but see, we have down. to be careful. We have they to be careful with too much. Oh, yeah, but I mean, but the thing is, you have to be careful with those generalizations. And I think we have Mario on the line with us now. But the thing is, is that, you know, there is nothing wrong with interracial dating, just like there is no. nothing wrong with same-sex dating. But the thing is, is that what you have to understand is when people do things like that and say things like that, it's a control mechanism. And he was trying to get you to react angrily. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to learn how to recognize a troll. When it come yeah. around, and I mean, most recently, you know, I was called a bed wench. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that particular term, that means that I, uh, I'm a black woman that, you know, has relations with white men. And, you know, when he said that, I didn't even know what it meant. I had to have a few people explain it to me. I was on the Internet looking it up and watched a couple of videos to understand why, because I had never heard of such a thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just interesting, but, you know, those types of comments are thrown at you to elicit an emotional response. So you have to keep that in mind. We have a call from area code 949. May I ask who's calling? Hello, this is Judah, and I had just tuned into your show. This is my first time on your show. So I was just tuning in, and I was just listening. I got to listen to a little bit, so, you know, I just wanted to know, like, what was we talking about? Because as I've seen on your show, it said black awareness. So yeah, black free thinkers. Yeah, black free thinkers. No, we're we're talking about a lot of different issues. We're talking about um, you know shaming, you know public shaming of people, the culture of silence, the culture of victimization. Tone, policing, stigmatization, just talking about a number of things. Um, you know, we 
talk a little bit about how, you know, you have mental health stigmas, um, HIV stigmas, um, you know, poverty stigmas, if you will, or culture of poverty, which there is no such thing. So we're just talking about a number of issues in which people are shamed. How can you shame someone for being poor and then tell them that they're poor because, you know, either they didn't have enough faith, they didn't tithe enough money, or they're poor because they want to poor because it's their attitude, and that is incorrect because people aren't dealing with the systems like institutionalized racism, um, you know, systemic oppression, you know, public policies and all of that. It's easier to shame and blame the victim than to deal with the real issues. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree on that. I definitely ag- ag- agree. Like you said, it's like a, a, a silence code to talk about our race. You know what I mean? And 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 it's really the the issues of our race. Like like people, we get to talking about slavery or something like that. And people be like, "Well, that's the past. There's no need to talk about it." But you know what I mean? Everybody else, they they remember their tragedies, you know what I mean, like the Jews, they remember the Holocaust and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So I think exactly. I think we got to go back to the past and remember about slavery and different stuff like that to empower, empower us as to who we used to be, you know? Exactly, exactly, and you're correct. You know, everybody else gets to talk about and, you know, remember what has happened to them in their particular culture. And, you know, we're expected to just forget it and, quote, unquote, get over it, if you will. And and that's, you know, that's doing us a disservice. And, yes, we do need a, a conversation on race in this country. And in the black community, we need a conversation on slavery and the impact that it had on our community and the effects that we're still feeling. Turn your radio down, dear. And the effects that this still having on our community and, you know, not only, you know, with other communities of color, but, you know, just in this country, period, because, uh, you know, even though slavery was abolished in, what, 1863, I believe, you know, it still has an impact on what's been happening in our community and we still have not fully recovered from it because even after slavery, we had... Um, reconstruction, we had the black codes, we had Jim Crow laws, um, hell, even now you got you know, issues with the police. So See, right, I, think um, I, think, I think a lot of us, a lot of us think like, because see, race means like everybody's in a race for their race. And what I think a lot of our problem is, is we worry about everybody, everybody else's race. So we too busy loving everybody else's race and not really looking to our own race because race is like a race, you know what I mean, to to help your own kind and build your own kind. You know what I mean? If we're worrying about everybody else and we continuously just thinking we're all one, you know what I mean, we're really, we're not all one because black people is on the bottom, the bottom of a, the bottom of a, like the food chain. I mean, we're the first to get fired and the last to get hired. You know what I mean? We're we're in the ghettos. If you go anywhere in the United States, it's the same thing in all the cities, in all the states. You know what I mean? We're on the bottom. 
You know what I mean? We got the Asians that own the that own the uh, nail salons. We got the 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 Hindus. They own the Seven Elevens. You know what I mean? We might own a soul food restaurant here and there, but economically, we are on the bottom and it's made like this. And then you look at it, all the all the all the uh, so-called African Americans with all this money, as far as Oprah to Michael Jordan, Lil Wayne, even the 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 businessman, the the black businessman nowadays, we got a lot of money, but we do not own nothing. You know what I mean? So that pushes a lot of us into robbery and everything else. We don't own nothing. No type of nowhere where we can go. Like here, here goes a job for you. You know what I mean? You can work for my company. We don't own none of that. You know what I mean? And it's systematically put like that. So I believe that. One of the biggest things we got to do is we got to try to build our nation. You know what I mean? Instead of Martin Luther King fighting for us, once we got slavery rights, you know what I mean? Once we got rights to get on the bus with, with white people and stuff like that, you know what we should have been saying? We should have said, okay, all right, now we got our rights. You guys, you guys go ahead and keep your bus. What we going to do, we about to get our own bus. Right. You know what I mean? So let me address a couple of things here. And... All right, so race in and of itself is a social construct. We didn't build that social construct, but we adhere to it. So um, when I say it's a social construct, basically there's no really such thing as black or white or, you know, uh, yellow, red, brown, what have you. Um, It was a system that was put in place, and initially that was not – um, part of the American um, dichotomy, if you will, and it was put in place um, later on. So, you know, we did a show on social constructs, and if you go back into our archives and listen to that show, I explained it in depth about, you know, social constructs and how race is a social construct and where it came about. However, um, there have been situations and opportunities in which blacks created their own community. So you had um Black Wall Street. Yeah, so, Oklahoma. Which, yeah, exactly. You know, there was another situation um in Florida and another one in North Carolina in which the black communities built, you know, a strong economic base, wealthy communities. And what happened was you had um white lynch mobs and and Politicians in some cases, because in the case in North Carolina, it was a little bit different than Florida and Oklahoma. In North Carolina, the politicians basically banded together with um, some of the white residents, and what they did is they overthrew that particular local government and chased them out of town. And it happens, you know, and in some cases, I think that there is some fear that, you know, you, that you need to overcome that fear. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to say something right quick. You know, I'm always a little bothered because we always, you know, like if you have someone who has low self-esteem, that person keeps, t- keeps telling themselves, I'm ugly and I'm unattractive, I'm stupid, I ain't shit. You know that person has taught themselves that very that very thing. That person now believes it to the marrow of their being because they've told themselves that so much that they've they've 
they program their own personality. And that, right. that person is deep in the dumps and stuff like that. We do this. I mean, I hear a lot of black people doing the same thing about us. We ain't got this, and we we ain't this, and we're on the bottom, and we ain't this, and we ain't that. You know, as someone who loves history and reading about history, I don't just start at slavery and work my way down. Exactly. I look at a lot of different different areas in history, and especially I look at all the accomplishments black people have made and all the advances we have made and everything like that. No, I mean, maybe we don't have um, shit, you know what I'm saying, um, large megalomaniacal companies, you know what I'm saying, making Apple uh, computers and stuff like that. But we have made a lot of accomplishments. We've achieved a lot right. of things, man. There's, there's a long laundry list of intelligent uh, um, uh, people of color who have done amazing things and stuff like that. So, I mean, you can't keep looking at it as though, well, we don't have this, what they have. Look at what they accomplished. And on top of that, I don't believe we're on the bottom. I don't no. believe that we're lacking. I believe that we are still we're still achieving, we're still doing everything. And on top of that, I don't need to only care about my race to believe that. Because if somebody needs help, I don't care who it is, I'm going to help. So, there you I go. Mean, but I agree with you, you know, and that's sort of one thing I was going to say is we have to look at our history before slavery. You know, because unfortunately in many of our educational systems, they start with us being slaves and then work it up to modern day. But they don't talk about, you know, um, you know, our history before slavery. And I think it's important that we understand and know our history before then because, you know, Mario's correct. We have made some, you know, amazing achievements. I mean, whenever you go to a stoplight, Garrett Morgan, you know, a gas mask, Garrett Morgan, um, you know, your cell phone here, you know, some of the chips and conductors made by different black people, you know, uh, your icebox, your refrigerator, black person, you know, uh, you know, just it's a number of things. You can, you can keep yeah. naming on and on. We didn't, we, I think, I believe that the black people created almost everything that's in everything. the world. If you think about everything. it, everything. No, no, I don't believe that. No, I don't go that. Far. I mean, I mean all, if, if you put it this way, the ideas, the, all the ideas, but in other words, the create the creation of everything, the ideas come from that. Okay. Exactly. Nah, we, man, because you know every yeah. idea that you you have came from another idea. You can't have you can't invent invent something to conduct electricity unless you find out what electricity is. So every, you know, I don't, I don't see how we, anything how we you can think about. I don't get that. Anything you can they think even, about, it, they really even found, that. they found an an electric light, and I forgot where I put it in my records, but back in Egypt, you know, way back, and they said, well, how did just like the the clock, okay, all that was back in Egypt before anybody had anything like that. Okay. They even talk about the computer. Yes. Oh, okay. And see, this is yeah. when we, Raina and I did the show on hidden colors. Go back and listen to that. And, you know, I would have to go back and do some more research. But in some cases, you know, unfortunately, you know, what part of what Mario said is correct, that we have been told that we're nothing and, you know, that has garnered some low self-esteem and inferiority complexes within our community. But what happens, the flip side of that, is that you have some people out here 
that spread misinformation or they distort some information in order to, you know, help build up the esteem of our community, but some of the information is incorrect and some of it is distorted. Now, what you're saying about the computer and the clock, I don't know. I had to go and do some research on that. But we found a lot of discrepancies in that one particular movie, The Hidden Colors 1 and 2, and we discussed it in depth on that show. You know, when um, they were trying to say that Beethoven was black, named Tobin Bay, and that's incorrect. And then when they were trying to say that melanin and melatonin were the same thing, which they're not, and that black people can fly because we have more melanin. See, these are, you know, certain things. So, you know, I'm not discrediting what you said, Deborah. I would have to actually look that up. And if you find the link, send that to me. So I don't know. But the thing is that, you know, there have been a lot of great accomplishments in the black community. And, and what Mario says is correct also because, um, you know, we tend to build upon technology, other technology. So, you know, a black person may have invented A, and then a white person built on top of that may B, C, and D for this one particular category. And a white person may have invented A, and a black person came in and saw a better way to improve it. So they built B, C, and D from that one. So, I mean, again, you know, I don't necessarily think that black people created everything, and I don't necessarily believe that everything good came from Africa. You know, you know, and when I say that, you know, that's not, you know, putting down our community or anything like that, but I also believe that we have to do the research and make sure when we do give out this information that we're being accurate. Because, again, even with the Internet and the information that's out there, there's a lot of misinformation out there as well. So I just want to make sure that when we do talk about these things that, you know, we are balanced, if you will, and that we've conducted the research. But, yeah, there are quite a few things that have come out of Egypt, and for a long time people didn't know how the the pyramids, you know, were put together and how they were built. Mm-hmm. And articles all over the place, you know, that now tell you how they were able to put together the pyramids. And you still have people running around saying that no one knows how the pyramids were built. That's incorrect. Aliens. Those aliens. <laughs> aliens. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's what you talked about on your show, so Mario, the aliens building the Egyptian, I mean, building the pyramids. So we, <laughs> no, I saw that ancient aliens crap one time. <laughs> so, so yeah, who built so, America? So who built I, America? I, what do you mean I who built America? That one time. I said, who built America? Who built Great America right now? If you if you want to say who did the physical, if you want to say who brainstormed and created the idea of America, you have to go the European influence on that. But who actually did the the manual labor actually built it? Not only were African Americans, Chinese, it was also Chinese immigrants and. To uh, some extent, uh, um, Indian. even Irish, Indian, Native Americans, Irish immigrants right. and stuff, uh, all that. I mean, they don't even um, – I watched the uh, um, documentary on uh, several of those, uh, of those things, and it showed how many you, – you, I mean, look, in order like, – you needed the Rockefellers to come up with the idea. I think he came up with the idea for the, the railroad, transcontinental railroad, all right? Great, great idea, but you need somebody who does, you don't have to really pay to build it. 
you know. So I watched that. I watched that. Uh, uh, I watched that show, who, The Builders of America, and it's great. Yeah, you need these great oh, minds and some of these ideas, but you need to include in who actually did the labor to build that shit too. So, yeah. my belief is when they had came to Africa, when they came to get us from Africa, our ancestors they knew exactly who they was coming to get because we were master builders. You know what I mean? We was creators, man. So. When they came and got us in Africa, we built America. You know what I mean? We built America. They didn't just take us. They didn't just take us and we physically built it, but they 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 took some of our knowledge and our you know what I mean? And they they took our you know what I mean? Our creativity. It, this is the biggest. I don't want to go that far, man. But uh, yeah. do you um do you um include and uh, um? Go ahead, Mario. Do you include do you include in all that the fact that a lot of African tribes sold other African tribes into slavery then? Because it wasn't just the white people came and got us and ran off. You know, it's... I don't... You know what? It, I don't believe that 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 it was the... That we were all Africans. You know what I mean? I believe that we was Hebrews. We was running from the Romans. If you really go back oh. into looking, it's looking into well, the, I don't the think history... They, I mean, the, it's, a mean? Difference, it's a difference between what they consider... See, what, what we were doing over in Africa was more like indentured, and like somebody owed you something, they sat at the same table with you when you eat. They didn't think that it was going to be this type of, what they did over here to, to our people, you know. I, they didn't have no idea. Um, I, well, if you look okay. at it, we really ain't got nothing in common with the Africans. Just, just because somebody's black don't mean that we're the same people, you know what I mean? Just like it's Ethiopia is a different people. You know, the Ethiopians are different people. The Egyptians are right. different people. It's different. It's so different we're not a monolith. Right. No, we're right. not a monolith. You're, you're correct. And, you know, going back to a little bit of what you were saying, you know, um, as far as this country being built and what Mario's saying and Deborah, um, yes, you know, physical labor, most of it was done by other cultures. And, you know, again, like when he was saying about Irish Americans as well, for a while, um, Irish Americans and Italians, and particularly Italians from the southern region of Italy, they were known as guineas, which was a derogatory, you know, epithet. And they were considered, you know, people of color as well. And eventually they graduated into being honorary white people, if you will. And you have to go back into history and understand that. And I think I may do a show um, on that in the future um, as to, you know, those hierarchies and how they were invented. But, um, yeah, you know, as far as the physical labor, um, the reason, the only reason why they didn't use as many Native Americans, even though some of them were used, is because they could not um, – sustain a lot of the physical labor, they were die, you know, as well as, you know, you know, there were Africans that died doing the same type of work, but the Africans were able to sustain that type of hard labor um, a lot longer. But as far as the physical, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's documented that, you know, some of our national monuments are built on top of, you know, slave bodies. You know, because they died there and they built right on top of them. You know, um, it's been documented in other places, you know, um, like down in South Carolina, you know, at the rice plantations, the rice fields. 
um, certain people from certain regions of Africa were put in certain places because they knew how to harvest certain types of grains and vegetables and all of that. So, you know, part of that is true, you know, and I'm not saying that they were targeting those people specifically, but when they found out someone was from, you know, let's say West Africa, you know, they pretty much, you know, had an idea what that person uh, you know, had some type of expertise in or what have you. But, um, you know, again, this whole conversation, you know, we need to have this conversation and basically yeah, talk about mythologies that are out there, um, some misconceptions, some mis- some mythologies, um, and bring this conversation to the forefront. You know, the question is, is this country ready for a real conversation on race? And then also, well, you know, the type of today's topic with the shame because, you know, part of what, you know, Mario was saying about, you know, um, people having self-esteem issues or what have you, I wouldn't necessarily say it's self-esteem issues. What I'll say is a lot of the stereotypes and, you know, blanket statements that are given or directed toward people of color, after a while, you know, people believe that and it becomes, you know, innate within them. Um, One of the best examples was the experiment with the children with the dolls, with the black doll and the white doll. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. And, you know, these were little kids, you know, two, three, four, five-year-olds, and they would tell them to point to the good doll and the bad doll. And the bad doll would be the black one. And then they would ask them which one, you know, they looked like the most, and then they would point to the black one, and some of the little black kids started crying. And these were, you know, two-, three-year-old children. So some of that is ingrained in us, and that's why I feel that it's important that we have these conversations and we deal with these issues that we have because we're not going to move forward, you know, if we continue on, you know, the path that we're on. You know, going back to what we were talking about, Exodus, you know, just walking around in a circle, going nowhere, and exercising futility. And until we deal with, you know, our internal issues and we start dealing with the institutionalized and systemic problems that are out there, nothing is going to get done. And nothing that's, is going to get that's, done. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's like one of the basis, basic education for us, like we're black, you know what I mean, because we all know that. Everything that's considered black is uh, dirty, evil, you know what I mean, darkness. You know what I mean? We're not black people. Our our skin color is not black. So that just just that simple basic, you know what I mean, education is is what is what's so deep in us, embedded in us, you know what I mean, and associated with everything that is dark. So I think we well, need to I need change to a lot of the Go back into the archives for Black Freethinkers, and there is a show called um, Social Constructs, or What is a Social Construct? I want you to listen to that show in particular. And, yeah. you know, basically, you know, black and white, um, yellow, brown, red, you know, so on and so forth, those aren't real. There is no, really, there is no such thing as race. However, yeah. there is a system in place which categorized different people, and people were put in different categorizations, you know, categories there. And we're going to have to address that because 
you know, if you go back and listen to the three-part series that I did, I was talking about race and the different categories and how some people have taken it upon themselves to categorize some people as inferior, some people as, you know, subhuman and as human. And, you know, we're going to have to deal with those particular issues. But also, you know, part of what Mario was saying there is that we have to stop allowing people to define us and define who and what we are and we have to take our agency back. We have to take it back. We don't we can't sit back, you know, and be pacifists and and wait for people to hand it to us. We have to take our agency back. And that's something that I've advocated on this show before. Whereas, you know, you don't tell me who I am. You don't define me. I define who I am. And that goes back to the beginning of the show when I say we need to get comfortable in our own skin and figure out who and what we are. And it's okay to be an individual. It's okay. You know, we're all a little peculiar in our own way. Can I give you You one example? After you finish, I don't want to cut you off, but can I just give you one example of something? I want to just say, like, just take for instance, like, Tupac Shakur, or take uh, Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson. I mean, the list goes on and on with just by their words, they had oppression on everybody in the whole world. I'm talking about from China to to Asia. You know what I mean? Tupac had other people saying thug life. You know what I mean? He had oppression on everybody in the whole world. And it goes, the list goes on and on. That's because... I believe everybody listens to our voice. You know what I mean? That's how you can tell that we're not the same as the Africans or we're the same as the other people, man. We're like it's just like the it's just like the most high he made the different animals in the jungle. We're like the lions. Off top everybody else listens to us. When we when we come to that maturity and that understanding and and, and and we get just like Marcus Garvey or Malcolm X, the whole world listens to him. That's because I believe out of our lineage comes the prophets. You know what I mean? The same people as the Bible, the same all the same prophets of the Bible, that's that's what comes to our lineage. You know what I mean? We know who we are. You know what I mean? Everybody gonna listen to us, you know what I mean? And we and we'll be able to control them. Go ahead. Well, if uh, if uh, black people wrote the Bible, I actually wouldn't be too happy about that one. But um, I, I agree with some of the things you're saying. I mean, just look at the example, though. Just look at the example, though. Have you ever seen another person come out of a different race that had control over the whole world? I'm talking about with their voice. You know what I mean? With their voice, where they got control over everybody, influence of what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like I say, Tupac Shakur, he had influence on everybody in Asia. I ain't going to say everybody, but I'm saying, you know, majority of the people in Asia to China, where everybody listened to him. You know what I mean? You can, the list goes on and on with Michael Jackson and so forth and so forth. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we got to look at that. Like, I believe we got to figure out who we are, what's our true identity. You know what I mean? What's, what's our identity? Because if you don't know who you is, it's like... I don't know. It's like that. You know what I mean? If a Chinese man thought he was American, you know what I mean? He wouldn't know who he was. That's a that's a spiritual death. You know what I mean? So I, I, I did it. Um, first of all, you know, first of all, my problem my, my problem is you have to define what is black. You know what I'm saying? 
what is black? Right. And I'm supposed to, you know, the idea of what black is for me is different from what somebody else is because because you know it it it, 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 it cracks. I mean, because I don't like the same thing everybody else likes. I don't listen to the same thing everybody else likes. For me, just being Mario is cool. For me, that's my being that's black because individual. that was comfortable for me. Yeah. Yeah, you're an individual right. and you're comfortable in your skin. And it's not so much about you not liking what pretty much everybody else likes or not doing what everyone else does. It's just that you found your own niche and you do because, I mean, again, we're not a monolith. And so there's something that I enjoy. Some people probably look at me like I'm nuts, you know. But uh, it, it, it's okay to be an individual and it's okay to have your own particular place. But, you know, there really is no set definition as to what's black or what's white or, you know, what's you know, gay or what's straight. There's no such thing. There's really no definition as to Back about an inch. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put Mario on hold there. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, no. And that's, guys, see, that's, what, and that's what we all say. And that's what I think we all say is, oh, yeah, I found my niche, and I found my niche, and I'm part of this, and I'm part of that. And you know what I mean? It's a lot of separatism. That's why black people is not together right now, because everybody didn't found their own thing to do. You know what I mean? We got to come back to some common denominator, you know what I mean, where we come back together as one, just like the Chinese, just like the Asian. That's why all them people own and stuff. That's why they silly, you know what I mean, they're, they're silly. No, I, mean, I, I understand perfectly what you're saying. You're talking about collectivism. You're talking about working together yeah. as a community to build our community. And, you know, I've talked about that as well. And I believe, you know, that we do have to do some things collectively as a community. And it has to be done in such a way in which everybody can see progress and everybody um, yields some type of benefit from that particular situation. So, yeah, no one is saying that we should not come together collectively and work together. You know, the majority of us advocate for that, you know, but one of the issues that that has come up is um, this is just something that I've experienced, whereas everybody wants to be the chief. And nobody exactly. wants to be the follower. And that's yes. part of the problem now. Not everybody not is missing. That. I believe that. Yes. And not and not only that, when you when you come together, put that religion, I don't care what it is, on the back shelf. Yes. You know. That's what yeah. I, 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 that, I, I, I agree with that. That, I agree that, that is what dividing us. That's that's yes, what religion. Religion is yeah, dividing us. It divides us. That. We got so many people believing in this, believing in that, believing in that. Yes. Put it on the back shelf. Yes, I believe so. I believe that. I, I believe that all the way to but we can go back into history and just really look at that history, you know what I mean, and try to figure out who we are as a people instead of instead exactly. of being all different Religions and but different ideologies and different history. philosophies. Yeah, we had to you go back I mean? to that history beyond slavery. We had to figure out yeah, and, and start teaching, you know, who we are before the slave ships, you know, docked in America. But on that note, we're down to the last two minutes, dear, and I appreciate all of you all that called in, even our little troll friends that called in earlier and the ones that disrupted the chat room. We thank you very kindly for thinking of us. And we will continue this conversation, you know, later on, probably next year. We'll 
address this again. But for those of you, you know, I, I would recommend that you go through our archives. And I did do a show on social constructs, and that will give you a better understanding as to why they were set up, how they were set up, and who it affects. And even if you listen to the last three-part series that I did on um, the politics of the God concept, you know, we addressed a lot of that as well as far as, who was deemed as inferior, subhuman, so on and so forth, where those categories came from and how people were put in those particular categories. But on that note, next week we'll be talking about black pain. We'll have Vita on blast with Vita Star later on this week. It'll be Thursday. We'll have Alfred and Carl Friday, Raina Saturday, and next Sunday at High Noon, Black Free Thinkers will be talking about black pain. We'll be talking about us being human, having feelings, you know, feeling pain, and about how and why we matter. So, again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not to convert you. And, again, we thank you for reaching out and spending time with us. We enjoyed you. You all take care, and you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Take care, everybody. You thank you. You too. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 